Hello and welcome to The Witch Source. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have the wonderful William Brigley here with me, who is the media manager with International Pagan Radio. So I am so honored that you are here um, and welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I am so excited to to talk to you um and i want to start at the beginning so <laughs> when did you decide or find or fall in love with the craft oh god <laughs> uh i would say that God, I think it was probably 2005, 2006, uh, when I had decided that, the, that, that Christianity or mainstream stuff was not something I was ever going to be interested in. And I actually started looking at historical stuff as far as all these different deities out there and started looking into various earth-based beliefs. So when I look at my the altar that I have today, looking at nature and how things interact, that's where I kind of got started into that. And... Um, it, it felt right for me, especially going out into nature and just feeling that uh, sense that you get being close to everything. So that's really where I started. And then as I read more, not just about Wicca and earth-based beliefs in general, but looking at the history, like archaeology and anthropology and what the ancestors believed. And that's what helped me feel more of a connection to a duality divine. So that's kind of where I got to my start. That's awesome. So that's, that's a very um, different approach than what I've heard before. Um, that's, it's very interesting. How did you end up deciding on or, or landing on or going with the, the tradition or belief system that you're in now? What was like the thing that made you say, this is the one for me? Well, I think over time and talking to different ones in, in the community, there were some elders that I had spoke to over time. And again, reading some of the books that I have and not settling on just this one, I'm like, okay, that aspect worked for them, that aspect worked for them. But then reading some of the lessons that were being taught, like that are general lessons that apply to a number of deities, whatever a deity you're working with, it's like here is a guide that you can follow. Uh, that helped me 
No, I I, I like uh, Enlil and Enki uh, personally going back that far because of the historical factor and looking at the history of of those deities. That's what really drew me in, you know. So um, I know that they are male kind of deities, and there's a few that I toss in there for a balance. But, you know, that's what helped me settle on this, is both the guides that were being provided from different authors and what was in archaeology. That is is such a, a different approach. Um, and, I, and I love that. Was there any part of your personal ancestry that you think played a part? Well, actually, it didn't come till later on that I found okay. out more of my ancestry. I, I chose the path I did, and then just a few years ago, I had found out that my ninth great-grandmother in, in Germany on my mom's side was part of the persecutions. And... Uh, I have a copy of the original uh, language and the translated text of her letters pleading for her life because she was being persecuted as a witch. Wow. And she ended up escaping, but she was put on the pole and the fire was lit for her to be burned at the stake. But at the time that this fire was lit, a big rainstorm happened and those who put her on the stake ran inside. Her family came out, grabbed her off the stake and took off with her. She was pregnant and she ended up giving birth to a son. So that's how that whole history came to be. That is incredible. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is I'm speechless. That's incredible. That's an incredible story. And then that's wow. We only have. We only learned of this a few years ago because a co cousin of mine who's a historian was called over to Germany because there was renovations being done to a building over there and they ripped the walls apart and found all these papers inside the wall. And some of them were uh, uh, Anna Marie's. Uh, letters that she had written recounting that her brother had already been persecuted and other members of the family were persecuted and she was pleading for her life to the lord of the land to intervene in this and she ended up being able to escape it just happened to be this weather phenomenon happened and her family got her out of there that's just incredible. I mean, you literally would not be here right now if it wasn't for that. Pretty for much, that, yes. For <laughs> that rainstorm. Um, wow. Wow. Okay, so random fun question. Do you feel like extra magical when there's a rainstorm? I do. Um, I felt that way even before learning about that. And um, I have to 
give credit to my late wife for that because she was always uh, pointing that out that there was like more energy in the air and that can you feel that and just giving me that drive that sense that yes there was all this around you this energy during rainstorms and thunderstorms and that but yeah that's where I was kind of odd as a child I actually used to like watching thunderstorms right so I guess it just took her pointing that out right right wow and it makes it like came full circle and makes total sense yeah that is so cool that is awesome well that's gonna lead me to my next question which i usually save till later to ask but i want to ask it now um was there a point in time in which you were like certain without doubt that magic is real and you have this connection to divine that you know nobody could ever change your mind on is there like some magical moment that you would be willing to share i know not everybody wants to share their experiences but if you have one that you'd be willing to share i would love to hear it well when i was younger there were a few occasions where i have seen spirits and growing older um trying to uh what's the word i'm looking for um reconcile myself with what I've seen, what I've experienced. I've experienced uh, premonitions and visions and that. But at that time, that was highly frowned upon. And I'm like, well, right. there has to be something more to this. And I know that I've experienced this. This is something that's real. So looking into this more as I got older, it's like, yes, this is absolutely happening with other people it's not just me so yes that is an absolute certainty that was my justification again that i'm not just going crazy or anything like that there's more people like this out there wow wow that's awesome would you be willing to share any of your premonitions or experiences you had um uh there's been friends of mine that over time had said oh yeah well can you uh tell me a little bit about my past just to just to test the waters and then i'm like are you sure they're like yes absolutely and then uh, a friend of my wife's i dug into her past started telling her about it not all of it was good and that she's like okay stop <laughs> I don't want to know more. <laughs> and, and it was stuff that she experienced that was well before I've known her. Right. Um, I um, had seen things that um, I believe that were going to happen, like um, accident, things, things like that. that mm -hmm. uh, I was hoping wouldn't come to pass, but right. it did. And there's been things I've been wrong about too. So I just got to accept that, you know, it's not all a hundred percent going to happen. Um, 
Do you think that on the ones where maybe it didn't happen, that maybe the energy shifted or something changed, or maybe you somehow um, impacted it to, to change the outcome? I think so too. Like uh, I've had premonitions in the past where I would be in an accident and I'm like, okay, for some reason, I'm not going to go this route. I'm actually going to go this way, like when driving and stuff like that. Right. And I'd say, okay, well, I obviously didn't get into an accident. So maybe that changed the outcome. So who knows? Really? Yeah. I, I definitely think that's a possibility because I think, you know, once you, I believe, once you figure out how to recognize your gifts and work with your gifts, um, you can become pretty certain of them. Um, so, and I, and I know we don't maybe necessarily always get it a hundred percent right. But again, when you've worked with your gift and you've cultivated enough, um, I do believe, because it's just like, you know, when you do any kind of divination, it's the energy at that moment. It's the energy that you are, you know, the projection that you are on at the time. And so if you change something based on what the divination has been telling you, I feel like you can shift and change the outcome. So it would make sense to me that you have this gift so that some of these things you can change them. And maybe some of them are just as a way to prepare you versus um, necessarily shifting or changing an outcome. So I, I'm glad not, that you feel that way. Cause I, I can definitely see that. Not many people know this either, <clears throat> but my wife and I both believe that we met each other before this lifetime. Mm. And both, both of us had a dream of that experience separately before getting together and only talked about it after we got together. And even to this day, I can still picture the, the scene um, of like the, the stone uh, road going up around a corner to a fountain um, and the water and stuff and looking across the busy road that was between us. So there was like a, almost like stone buildings on both sides and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her through this crowd. And it's like the crowd is not interfering with our eye contact. We're kind of looking through it. Right. And then somebody up in an opening, I won't say window because there was no windows in the buildings then, called to me in some other language. But don't ask me how I knew they were calling to me, but I looked up because they distracted me and then that was the end of it. But she recalled the other end being on her side of the street and observing this from her perspective. And then later on, I actually found out through looking up articles on archeology span and stuff like that, that there was this picture of this street with a um, the fountain, but it was in ruins now in ancient Persia and it's like, that's the scene that I had seen in this dream, except it looked newer, right? So. That's awesome. Wow. That's incredible. I I love that. I think that's amazing. And that's, again, one of those experiences where it's like, 
nobody could ever tell you that that didn't happen or that that wasn't real because you just know it like bone soul deep like you can say whatever you want you're not changing <laughs> my mind on this that's awesome that's awesome I love that um and then there's been a few times that I felt like I've I have dreamed of people's faces um and then I meet them and I haven't met them yet um so I think that's awesome but to go that far back um Wow. And then to talk, talk to someone who recalls the other pr yes. perspective of that same encounter. Yeah. That's incredible. And to be able to find the ruins and find where that was is it's, it, it's just incredible. It's extraordinary. And it was by happenstance because I was looking for something else online and I was researching something else and that article came up and I saw the picture and I'm like, really? That's where this took place. Right, right. Happenstance, or you were meant to find it. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. All right, awesome. So what led you from diving into magic, diving into, um, you know, your spirituality and discovering, you know, all these amazing things about yourself and getting that confirmation on, on your gifts? Um, how did you end up, um, expanding and moving forward into getting involved and in kind of all the things you're involved with now, international pagan radio and, um, all these fun things. Like what was the transition from your discovery of and passion for magic and, and that journey from that to where you're at now? Well, one of the things I found about social media and getting into the groups that were of various earth-based beliefs was the spread of misinformation. Mm. And uh, some people were justifying things and posting links to articles that were just either satire, just misinformation, or completely misleading and along my my journey of looking into archaeologists and anthropologists one of the things that i had learned to do was ensuring what these people were saying was accurate so what do other people in their fields of study say about their research or about this individual and how accurate their past articles have been so mm -hmm. when i would see a post like this i'm, I'm like Look, uh, that's actually inaccurate, not because I say so, but here, take a read of this. This is written by this person, and here are their credentials. So then I was approached through doing that to write articles for the uh, Pagan World Times. I was asked if I would be interested in writing a series for them. That's so cool. I called that series Visions of the Past. Ooh, and, love the name. And <laughs> so the first episode I ever wrote on that was The Legend of Zeus. And I looked at not only just the legend, but what archaeology had found that kind of fits to the writing and the supporting. So then along that path, I wrote for them for a while. Um Chuck Chapman, I guess, read some of my articles and said, hey, would you like to talk about 
your articles on my then podcast, Lady of the Circle in the Oaks. And the first episode was also with Sherilyn Walls, who is an archaeologist. Oh, cool. <laughs> so my title, kind of uh, make fun of myself, that I was going by then was the armchair archaeologist, <laughs> which just means someone who sits at home researching stuff who doesn't actually have qualifications in this stuff. Right. <laughs> so I guess after this episode, people liked it. You got a lot of responses and positivity from the show. So then I came back on myself same thing and chuck's like hey would you be interested in turning your articles into actual audio episodes on my podcast so we went from there um doing that for a while and we get some permissions from music artists to play some of their music during breaks and chuck and i got talking it's like look, we really want to give back to artists. We can't just play their work. We like to do something like pay royalties or something. So we were approached by this other guy named Jeremy and said, he's like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we do something called International Pagan Radio? Um, I'll fund it and all this. Great, fantastic. Chuck and I were on board with it. And... We he wanted us very specific logo and whatnot. So shortly before we were going to launch this project, Jeremy said, I can't do this, I got life stuff going on, and disappeared from the internet. Wow. So Chuck and I were like, Okay, we're gonna still do this, we're gonna take the reins on all this. Jeremy was on board with that before he disappeared. That was part of his um a departure from the project. Right. So then I re redesigned the logo to the one that people see today and built the website and that. And um, we tried a couple of different um, uh, platform suppliers like audio player suppliers and that mm -hmm. till we got what we have today where we're paying royalties to music artists and providing guidance to music artists on metadata and things of that nature. But it was just one step after another to build up to becoming our own streaming platform. Right. And along the way, learning what the laws are, what, regulations are like especially as a media manager and co coordinating with all these different music artists has been I, I i would say a wonderful journey getting to know all these different people right, right. i never thought i wouldn't even get to meet them in person until starwood here but i mean yeah it's just been kind of one thing after another over the last several years that have helped move this project forward to where it is now. That's awesome. That's amazing. So it was just like a series of serendipitous um, things that fell into place and, and created this wonderful platform um, and resource for people to be able to go listen to pagan music um, and discover new artists. And I love the fact that you're able to 
you know, really help the, the artists that are in this industry and, and help them get paid to continue to finance their gifts um, and be able to bring this music to, to us, you know, to the public. That's, that's incredible. So what happened after that? Like, where did you move to, uh, once you guys got the platform up and running, what was the progression to Starwood and, and the different, um, areas in which you're, you've spread into today from the original IPR? Well, the next phase of the project, <coughs> excuse me, was listener interaction. We wanted the artists to be able to see um, how our listeners interacted and experience that. And so that was our um, social media pages and that, but also having a means where our listeners could vote for their favorite songs or request songs. And we added that feature to our uh, website. So every song request, once there's enough requests, that song will play more often throughout a day, which okay. also translates to more royalties for the music artists. Right. And it count, every request counts towards a vote for that song for the top 20 hottest hits. So originally... Okay my wife and I co-hosted the top 20 and um, many people already know that she ha had been diagnosed with cancer and got to a point where she couldn't do it anymore. And along comes uh, Mojo Kemp, another fantastic music artist and said, Hey, you know, there's, not a whole lot I can do being out here in British Columbia, but I am willing to help you with the show. So after my wife's passing, he stepped in as the co-host and uh, he's been helping me out ever, ever since with the show. And uh, then from there, moving forward with the top 20 hottest hits, uh, an opportunity came up to go to Starwood. And for the longest time, I'm like, I, I can't do this. Like, I got three kids and myself. Um, and uh, Melissa Anderson, who also runs the cauldron, said, hey, we will fund the hotel stay down here if you will just come down. Right. So managed to make things work, and we ended up driving from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, down to uh, I think it was Palmberry, or uh, yeah, the event took place in Palmberry, uh, Ohio, and uh, we stayed in Galapagos, Ohio, at the hotel. And got to meet a whole bunch of people at a um, house that was being rented. Um, there was uh, Harold Carter, Melissa Anderson, Oberon Zell, Ravenheart, um, <coughs> Prudence Priest, uh, just a whole bunch of Serona Rose, just a whole bunch of people that were there. And I'm sorry if I missed anyone. <laughs> There's just a lot of people. Right. Um 
and uh, it was just an amazing experience to finally meet these uh, people in person and uh, listen to their stories and interactions. I, I actually got opportunities to sit across the table uh, from Oberon and talk about history and archaeology and things like that, which was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. There's, uh, I feel bad because there's another musician that was there, Donovan and um, uh, Ginger Ackley was there. Um, yeah, I'm just sorry if I missed anyone else. <laughs> so we, we went to uh, Starwood and I actually got to meet David Boyd in person, surprised him there and uh, re-met up with Harold and a whole bunch of other people and uh, even Marin King and Brian Hinkey, lots of wonderful, wonderful music artists that it was interesting because I'm looking to try to meet all these people. And I have a number of people that are trying to meet us and are saying, hey, can we take pictures with you? And that I'm like, Shouldn't this be working the other way around? <laughs> right. Awesome. I guess the musicians really enjoy what we've tried to accomplish over the years. And it's just another method of not just being a platform, but connecting the music artists to the audience and to each other. Right. So we also run a private group, IPR Connect, for just us and the music artists and say, hey, you know what? This is a, a place to share ideas, to communicate with one another, to communicate directly with us. So if there's something that you would like to suggest we do with the platform, you're right there and you can message us directly. And this is <laughs> what it's become, really. That's incredible. That's incredible. So how how does um, how has IPR um, collaborated with other um, platforms to really make a difference for the artists? Well, recently uh, we collaborated with the Cauldron Radio for the Song of the Year Award. And that was taking all those listener votes from throughout all of last year and mm -hmm. all the, and Melissa took all the listener votes uh, from her station from last year. And we combined those and tallied all the votes for the Song of the Year award. And the whole premise behind the Song of the Year was to show that platforms can work together. We are different than the uh, mainstream music industry that way, where we're not in competition with each other. We, we're not competing for an audience here. We are all about community. And I think when we stand up and show that through demonstrations such as this, okay. it speaks volume to the community itself that they see that they see someone like this year it happened to be uh, 
Dave Smith, also known as Darv the Bard, or Dave the Bard, some people call him, that award being unwrapped by him and just the reaction that he has, that sense of accomplishment with his own music, not because of us, but because of the audience that voted that his song was the Song of the Year award, they see that and say, hey, yeah, the community can come together for this positive purpose, you know? Right, so right. that's what I mean by it speaks volumes to the community that, yeah, we can do something like this if we work together. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And let the artists know that their their work and and the things that they put out there are so important to the fan base and that people, you know, really love the work and, and can have a sense you know, like you're saying, pride and ownership and, and know that they're being heard. Um, I think a lot of times it's easy for people to continuously put out work um, and feel like nobody's listening. Nobody's yeah. hearing me. Nobody's seeing this. Nobody, you know, knows. Um, and to be able to do something like this that really lets, uh, it lets the artist know, you know, they are being heard. Um, and I love that you give, you know, just the pagan community a place to be able to go to. Um, and like you're saying, it doesn't matter if you're listening to IPR or, or Cauldron Radio. It's like it all matters. Um, we're You're all here for the community at large to be able to, to help. And I think it's great that you give people the opportunity to vote for the music they want to hear. You know, to be able to say, hey, I love this. I want to keep listening to this particular one. I think that's pretty rare, um, especially anymore. Um, you know, I think it's pretty rare for people to be able to to vote like that. So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Um, so what's next? What do you guys hope to do next? Well, we've we've talked about different possibilities of different features um haven't moved on any of them yet um we on this on a side project i had uh the council of esoteric and independent platforms um that's kind of separate from ipr in one mm -hmm. sense in another it was we can share how we've done things or the cauldron could share how they've done things or this music artist could share how they've registered their music or how they've made this music video just sharing of ideas because we talked earlier during the show about the evolution of ipr well how did we get there what technologies did we use to be able to make this happen we or what knowledge that we've gained along the way especially like i mentioned metadata sharing that information out there on this page the council of esoteric and independent platforms so mm -hmm. that when someone else comes up with an idea for a platform or a musician that's new to everything wants to develop that next music video or figure out how to register the music 
they will have a place to go where we had to dig up all the information and start from ground zero, they won't have to. Right. It's like you've done all the troubleshooting for people and, and you're yes. able to help them, you know, know how to navigate the ever-changing world of technology. Um, that's incredible. And that's extremely needed. Uh, even for me, you know, I could definitely see benefiting from that and sharing what, um, what I've been through is, and how expansive is it? Like, is it um, including like doing websites and, uh, you know, uh, the different places in which artists can maybe share their music um, and, and really make the most of it? I mean, does it cover kind of everything? Well, yeah, like, for example, when we uh, spoke about metadata, there was the guy that was behind uh, Aerosmith and other bands that I shared oh. a guide that they produced on why it's important. And it's like, this guy is behind one of the biggest bands in rock history yes. that is given this breakdown. And then I did a tutorial video on how you can use freeware to do it yourself so that you don't have to pay a separate label or separate company to do this for you. You could actually do it in well, your template for, say, an album, take you about 20 minutes, half an hour to put together. And then every following song is like five minutes, maybe that, and okay. embed it yourself. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, actually, Harold, Harold did a video on there uh, about registering your music with uh, DistroKid. Okay. All right. So it's definitely a place that that artists need to go check out for sure. Yeah. And super cool that you you have somebody of that standing that knowledge out there. That that's priceless within itself. You know, that's that's the one thing that I think you can never get too much of is knowledge. We're all constantly needing to learn and expand and grow. So kudos to you for putting that together because that's very, very needed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, tell me about what is Project Unity? <laughs> Project Unity... Um... I put together right at the very beginning of the pandemic. And that was based off of what I was seeing on social media. A lot of different people panicking about this whole new thing. Most people did not live through a massive pandemic like this. Like when you look at the history of polio and the outbreak of polio and everything that happened, how long ago did that occur? Right. right. So when people were worrying about all this stuff, the lockdowns, the mass mandates and all this stuff, I'm like, okay, what can we do? Is there anything that we can do? So I reached out to a group of musicians and, and uh, Chuck as well and said, hey, how about you share your stories on how you're coping with this? Maybe hearing from you as a musician will help other people be able to uh, understand that they're not alone in this, that, hey, this is how they're dealing with this. Hey, they're getting through this. That's helpful, hearing from others. Right. 
So I think there was about 15 different people that participated in this, like uh, Cloud the Pagan Rapper to Derek the Bard, um, Simone Papa from Matter D, and Jesus. Um, uh, Trying to think of his name. Um, right on the tip of my tongue. Marco Strega. Sorry. He's also Matter D. <coughs> and um, uh, uh, George Nicholas of Canunas Rising, uh, Ginger Ackley, uh, David Wood. There's just a whole bunch of these different people. Would, that video is still on our YouTube channel for people to check out. But that was the. Um, point behind that is just to reassure people that they're not going through this alone that here your favorite musicians are also dealing with this and this is how they're coping through it so right yeah yeah that's yeah. that's wonderful and you know i think some at some point in our lives we all kind of go through this point when we feel isolated and we we feel alone and so even though for the most part, it seems like COVID has passed, even though I hear rumors that might be coming back. Um, I think it's good for anybody, you know, even moving forward that maybe has a moment of just feeling isolated or, or having hardship or, you know, maybe struggling with things like, um, you know, depression or, or things that make people feel alone. Um, maybe it's something they would want to check out as well and see like, what are some things they can do or try to to come out of that um, and rise above? Because um, that's always a good thing, you know. Mental health is so so important, um, and I and I think that's one thing that I love about the magical community and just um, magic and paganism in general is it's it's not just about the magic, you know. It's about encompassing you know, your, your mind, emotions, body, soul, everything, um, and creating, you know, strength in all the different aspects. Um, and that's how you get your most, your most powerful, your most magical. And so I think that would really help a lot of people that are maybe struggling with some of the other areas and, you know, help them rise above, um, and get that strength and at least get them started maybe in the right path. So I think that's wonderful. Um, I'm glad that's out there. And, you know, I think it's still very relevant um, today. And, and hopefully, not in the future, we won't have another COVID outbreak. And mental health, you mentioned mental health. That is important to uh, be able to deal with and cope with and understand that you're not alone in that either. I myself am diagnosed with anxiety. And I do get support with that. And I do see people talking about that online. And, you know, I know I'm not alone in this and been able to talk to a number of people about it. And I'm mentioning that here just so people are also aware you can be a media manager of a music platform and still deal with something like anxiety. Oh, absolutely. And I think it was something that so many people were kind of left with um, in the aftermath of, of COVID and having to go back out into the world. You know, we all found a way to to cope with and, and deal with 
the lockdowns and, and shutdowns. And then we all had to rediscover how to be social again, uh, not on the internet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think there was a big layer of anxiety that came with that. Uh, and so I think uh, even a lot of people that maybe never struggled with something like that in the past, um, I think it's something that came up for a lot of people and yeah, there's definitely resources out there um, to help. So thank you for sharing and, and thank you for um, Project Unity for sure. You're welcome. So moving forward, are is there anything um, coming up that you would want to share or talk about? Uh, I don't think so much right now, except for new music coming to IPR. I'm in the uh, pro uh, process right now of going through metadata and actually working with a couple of music artists and giving them screenshots of what their stuff looked like before and after. So sometimes if they, not everyone is tech savvy and stuff can do it on right. their own. So I don't mind helping out. So there's just a couple right now that I'm helping out with waiting to get some more music from them and that. And that is should be coming to IPR within maybe the next week or two. So always new music coming. Yeah, no, that's great. That's wonderful. And um, so let's say an artist wants to get involved or submit their music to IPR to maybe be considered or added. What does that process look like? Well, actually, all they need to do is email me at media at internationalpaganradio.com. Let me know who they are, and uh, I can they can email me their music files there uh, or uh, through Dropbox at the same email address. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I just asked them for, like, if they're sending me an album of songs, what's the name of the album? What's the track number? I need the song title and where they sell their music. Mm -hmm. So that's really important because I, if they don't do it, I will help them embed the link to where they sell their work because when their song plays in our player, there's actually a buy button in the player so the listener can click on that and be taken to directly to where the artist sells their stuff. Oh, that's nice. not that's not a port forward uh, thing that we make money on. That is just us pointing the listeners to where the artists sell their work because we want our listeners to buy from the artists. Right. That's that's where artists actually make their money is selling their music and doing concerts and that. So we want to help the artists in that regard. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Wow. That's awesome. I think that would be helpful in a lot of other places as well, but I love that you guys are, are doing that because that's, that's great. Um, and like you're saying that, it, you know, it doesn't, it's not for you. It's strictly for the artist. And I think that says so much about your organization in general, that you are doing so much to, to help pagan artists, um, you know, sell their music and, and, and make money off of their music and the work that they put into it and helping the audience, you know, 
find these people. So that's that's incredible. So I have a, a couple more questions for you. Okay. When you were getting started into the craft and your own um, way of finding magic and getting involved, what would you recommend as the like top three books if somebody was wanting to get started or maybe advance or whatever it is for you? What would be like the top three must-have books? Uh, I do know Ray Raymond Buckland's um, Book of Witchcraft. That was a good read. Um, I actually enjoyed the Wiccan Handbook by uh, Elaine Holland. And I'm trying to think of the third one. I, I got a whole bunch of books down here. Um, hmm. You know, I have a bazillion wow. books too, but, but like picking their top three, it's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. I know. Oh. You, you caught me off guard with the question a little bit. I'm just opening my uh, uh, cabin here, see if I can. One series I actually like reading is the uh, Llewellyn's Witch's Companion. Oh. Uh, it's just an al almanac for contemporary living. So, oh wow, okay. Actually, I I got I got one in my hand now. This one's actually from 2015, but this is just the one that I grabbed out of my series of books. Um, yeah. Uh, like just like you, I get a whole bunch of different books everywhere, but it, it's not so much a telling you how to like a step-by-step -step guide to how to follow a specific path. It's just mm -hmm. a broad range of uh, general knowledge. You know what I mean? Okay. That can be applied pretty much anywhere. Um, okay. uh, Elaine uh, Holland's uh, book, uh, yes, it does focus on the aspect of Wicca, but the way she writes it is you can be uh, following any Wicca path you wish. This is how I did mine. This is what worked for me. Right. right? But she's right. very open to not being so uh, focused on this is the only way she's just saying this is again what worked for me <laughs> right wonderful okay well thank you for sharing those um and my final question if there were three people that you wanted to thank who would they be top of the list uh, Chuck Chapman, the manager of International Pagan Radio, because uh, he just kind of read my work and went down this whole path with me from just a guest on his show to where we're at today. And now we're 
I would say best friends that we finally got to meet in person. Um, after I left Starwood, carried on to Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, just to meet him, another almost four hour drive. Not but that far he from me. <laughs> he's been there for me and even for my my wife and kids ever since that. Um, and I think that first conversation took place in 2008 up till present day. Uh, the second person I would thank is Mojo. He stepped into some pretty big shoes to fill when it came to my wife and has been a very good friend helping me and the kids through that sort of stuff. And Melissa Anderson being the third person. And her that was her idea for the song of the year. And Melissa's been another person who off, off the side, uh, separate from platform stuff, she's had a good many conversations with me about personal stuff, again, going through all the things we did over the last few years and has been there 100%. Um, she used to have conversations with me, with my wife and that, from home, from the hospital, everything, that goes well beyond just conversing about music, just being an owner of a platform or Fringe TV and all these other projects that she is involved in because she's involved in a lot. But this was very personal. This was her taking her time to say, you know, I'm helping you with all this. And... You know, when people do stuff like that, that's there's no words to describe the things that the appreciation you feel for uh, those who do that stuff for you. So, right, right. Well, it sounds like you have found a, a beautiful home and family through the craft and going down that road and trusting yourself and and walking the path yeah, that's incredible. i would I, I would uh just jump back to your other question there people who are trying to find their own path i would also encourage people to learn about history too through through real archaeology and anthropology to understand what the past was really about and what really happened you know not right. just online articles <laughs> general articles too right yeah and and that was your start too and and i i love that like i said that was so unique um out of the people i've interviewed the fact that you very much blended um the archaeology and the history and with your craft and your path is I love it. I, I love history. Um, it's one of my favorite things. And so you very much spoke to me with that. Um, so yes, I would highly agree uh, with what you're saying. Absolutely. Well, uh, William, thank you 
so much for being here with me and doing this interview. I have thoroughly enjoyed it um, and appreciate you so much. Uh, please tell people where they can find out more uh, about you and IPR. Well, uh, our website is www.internationalpeganradio.com. Uh, we also have a group and a page on Facebook, both International Pagan Radio. And uh, my email address is media at internationalpaganradio.com. And um, from our website up in the top right corner, you can find our other social media platforms as well. Awesome. And I want to thank you, Whitney, for having me on your show too. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Yes, thank you um, for joining me here at The Witch Source. I do appreciate it, and and I love getting to do these interviews, um, and I love uh, being a part of Fringe TV now. So uh, anybody can watch The Witch Source uh, on FringeTV.online. My show comes on Mondays at 8 p.m., so I encourage everybody to check that out uh, if you have not yet. Uh, it's a great place to be. They have wonderful pagan programming, and it's all free right there online. So it's a really incredible, wonderful thing. Um, and you can find out more about other artists. They play music videos as well and um, find out about more shows uh, and other things going on there. So that's great. Um, and I would love for people to come see me in person. I'm not that far from Chuck there in Greensboro. Uh, we are located in Winston-Salem. Uh, we are actually a combination tattoo and metaphysical shop. So you can find us by looking up uh, Roosters, Tattoo, and Woo, or Witch Source. And we are at uh, 1622 South Hawthorne Road, Suite 7. Again, that's something in Salem. So come on by, check us out. Um, and if you're not close, you can go to thewitchsource.com and find your magical supplies and witchy wares. So I hope everybody will check that out. We also have a Facebook, a Facebook group, a YouTube, Instagram, all those fun things as well. So I hope people will check us out there. And William, thank you so, so much again for being here. I have just loved this interview. It's been so much fun, and I've loved learning about you um, and your path. So, um, and maybe you'll come back. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Until next time, everybody. Thank you, and stay magical. Bye. Bye.